No success in the world can compensate for failure in the home. That's why Club Wealth was founded, to help driven, successful, and busy real estate agents like you double their business while building a strong, balanced home life. Join us each week as high-producing agents and team leaders share their stories and unpack the principles and systems they've used to double, triple, and even quadruple their business while enjoying greater quality of life. And now, here's the latest episode of Club Wealth TV. Okay, we are all but live. I think we're pretty close to live. So we always kind of get started a little ahead of things because uh, the, the pause between Zoom and Facebook sometimes doesn't tell us that we're live when we actually are. But uh, I'm Michael Hellickson. I'm with one of the coaches here at Club Wealth Coaching and Consulting. Super excited to have with me today, uh, not only my co-hostess with the most is Sheree Benjamin, who you all know, uh, as well as Coach Brian Curtis, but we've also got special guests Coach David Stites from Menifee, California, and Coach Nick Shivers from Mars. Not exactly sure where Nick's from, but we're pretty sure it's somewhere <laughs> close to the Twilight Zone. <laughs> Welcome back to planet Earth, Nick. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Currently, I am not on Earth. So, uh, yes, I am an alien and I'm proud of it. <laughs> Dude, we're all teasing. We're like, dude, what are you? He's in. He said, he's like, yeah, I'm in Costa Rica, and Sheree's looking at his background. She's like, but the bird isn't flying; it's just stuck there. <laughs> like, I, I, I put this background, and I don't know how to take it off. It's been there for like a year. So, uh, yeah. What? No matter if I'm in Alaska or currently, like I am in Costa Rica, it's always the same. Oh my gosh. I just get nervous when people start telling you to fly the bird. It's just weird. So that said, we're talking today about iBuyers and we're, we're talking specifically about are these iBuyers out there? Are they a threat or are they an opportunity? And uh, so here's what's going to happen. We got some really smart people on this call. We got a lot of really smart people watching the call as well. Guys, just talk about it. Tell us what your thoughts are and let's just dive right in. So whoever wants to start, just go for it. Well, um, I think they're 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 both. They're they are a threat. They are going to take market share, and they're going to take a lot. If you look at where they all started in the Phoenix market, I think close to about ten percent of market share. I don't know about you, Michael, but I know you were selling three hundred homes a month. But did you ever get to ten percent market share? Uh, it wasn't three hundred. It was actually between one hundred and twenty and one hundred and eighty a month. But uh, yeah, actually, in one in one particular county, uh, I did get. Uh, I think I got to twelve percent. Uh, but that was in a smaller part of the. You know, it was not King County. It was in Pierce County, uh, and it was a twelve percent market share on listings. So, but the reality is, and in fact, it's funny because I was just having that conversation with somebody this morning. There are a few agents out there, particularly in smaller markets, that I've seen that have between twelve and fifteen percent market shares. But honestly, I can count on two hands the number of agents anywhere in the country that I'm aware of that have that kind of market share. Um, right. So, it, so looking at that number, it's if big. they have 10%, that's big. So if, yeah. if, if you're not a little bit concerned about that, I think you're just stupid. Yeah, I, I would agree. What do you guys think? <laughs> so are you saying that the iBuyer market is they have 10% of the entire market right now? Yeah. Yeah, in Phoenix, Arizona, they have between Open Door, Offer Pad, I think Knock, they have and Zillow Instant Offers, they have 10% market share. That's a lot. Interesting. Yeah, that is that is a huge number. So we ran our numbers just to kind of see where we were at with our team uh, in Menifee. You know, population's 100,000. We'll do, you know, uh, about 300 transactions this year, and we're at 2.9%. So yeah. if someone came out here and took 10%, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's, there's no question it's a threat. The cool thing is what the reason we're doing the call today is, you know, a lot of these really smart agents like Nick have figured out how to leverage these programs to make more money for ourselves. So Nick, talk to us about that. Sure. I think when there's change, there's always opportunity if you, if you look hard enough and and I down with Eric Wu probably five years ago, and he basically told me that he didn't need to make any money for a decade. Um, and his, his platform 
his, and he basically told me what he was going to do and he's done exactly what he was going to do. So I looked at that and said, huh, I probably should bring that concept to the market prior to them. And so about three years ago, I started my own iBuyer program. And here's the reality. People like choices and convenience is worth a lot of money. So if, if, if I, I see a lot of agents out there bashing the iBuyers, they're ripping off people. They're, they're, they're not giving them full value. Well, that's not necessarily what everyone wants. So why not give the consumer the option to take with choices? Whether it's maximum convenience, like I always say, or maximum value. It's, it's the consumer's choice, not the agent, because this is what we've done for 80 years, and this is the only way to do it. So, um, like, like I said, when there's, when there's a disruptor, if I'm an agent, I'm going, hey, I'm going to do my own, and I'm going to use the millions and billions of dollars that they're spending on advertising to make people start calling me instead of the local trusted agent, then the big wall street, uh, hedge fund group that's coming in, uh, taking your money. Well, and what's really interesting to me is this isn't something that's really new, right? This is something that we've all been doing for a very long time. Nick, you and I both have run guaranteed sale programs for decades, literally more than two decades. And so this has been around for a long time where people have, you know, where agents and it's been limited to a handful of agents, but there have been agents that have been offering the opportunity uh, for an iBuyer, uh, you know, or, you know, for, for people to uh, have the agent buy the house if they don't sell it in a certain period of time. So that part is not, is definitely not new. Uh, that being said, these guys have taken it to a whole new level and they put some serious dollars behind marketing it. And I agree with you. I think we got to take advantage of that. Because if we choose not to take advantage of that, they're going to run us over. They're going to take a big chunk of market share and they're going to take a certain amount anyway, but we can get a piece of that market share. And because it's becoming more mainstream, I think the opportunity that exists is, look, this is another arrow that I can add to my quiver that can help me bring in business in ways that I wasn't getting business before. Yeah. And, and let's talk about the difference between guaranteed right. sold, which is what you were talking about, Michael, and what iBuyers are doing. I appreciate the analogy, but I don't even think they're, I don't even, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't agree with you, I guess. So when we did guaranteed sold and I can't speak for your numbers, but I can talk, I can speak to many of my own numbers. You know, realistically you're buying houses for what? 65, 70 cents on the dollar. Is that a fair assessment? Uh, depends, but yes, essentially. So I buyers are buying them. I've heard as high as ninety cents on the dollar. Yeah. Yeah. Razor, yeah. razor thin margins. There, it's really apples and oranges because, as a if I go back and you're going to offer me seventy cents on the dollar, I go well. I really, you know, I can't even afford that. I can't even do that. Or if I can, I'm desperate. Whereas I think that so I think the person who took you up on that say, and I don't know if you were even taken up on it, but the people who are actually doing the guaranteed sale and the, the sellers who were doing it, they were desperate. They just need to get out of their house or uh, I don't know, foolish. I don't know something because you sell a house 30% below market value. I'd like to think that we could have sold it in, in a week for 15% below market value. But, oh, so that's it. but here, here's the thing, don't, don't walk, don't move past that yet. Let's talk to that for a second, because is the seller really foolish? Is the seller making a mistake to sell their home at a discount? And is it really apples to oranges? I want to hear what Nick thinks about that, because I know darn good and well, Nick has made millions of dollars doing this. Uh, so Nick, what are your thoughts on whether or not they're, they're foolish for selling at a discount? Well, again, it's not my place to say if they're foolish or not. It, there has been many times, and David and Brian are completely right. I buyers Wall Street, especially when they first come into a market, we we treat the I buyers in our market as basically just other buyers, and don't think that their initial offer can't be negotiated. We just did a deal with uh, Open Door where we actually got thirty two thousand dollars factoring in repairs higher than their initial offers. So the fact is we treat iBuyers in our market. Okay. If, I mean, we lay it all out. We have open door, we have Zillow instant offers. We have my, my rocket listing program, and we have, here's a traditional offer. So we lay it all out and we let the consumer choose whether they like, Hey, I want this closing a day. And they take, 
maybe my my rocket listing that is 85 cents on the dollar or they go you know what i have i have seven to 14 days i'm going to take that the the open door offer at 90 cents on the dollar or you know what nick what i'd like to do is i'd like you to list it for 60 days and then would you buy it at the 85 cents after it's all about choices for our consumer and giving and educating them let us and we are the experts on all i buyers including our own and the market here's another example of how i buyers can get you in trouble we had a client that open door had offered them a significant amount of money it looked like it was over retail but the zoning had just changed and they were actually selling for about $150,000 less okay so Let's talk about the the point that Brian made, okay? So we have one, and I don't think that, can I share my screen on here? Because sure. I, mean, I have an actual one that we can look at. Absolutely. Well, is it giving you the share screen option or do I need to add that to you here? You, got it. you do have it? There you go, perfect. What screen are you seeing? We're seeing the offer details screen. Uh, excellent, okay. So let's look at this, right? The way that I looked at it is, let's just face it head on. So they're here. This is in Atlanta. They're here. Not going anywhere. Um, so let's let's go ahead on and see what this ends up being. So we've got offer was seventy. Guess what we listed it at? Three seventy. That was the, that's what they came with their offer price. Um, they've got this service credit, which is seven percent. What is their service credit? But it's considered a fee. It's just a fee. Then we've got this seller's concessions of $18,810 with, if I scroll above, you can see the list of everything that they considered that was going to need to have a seller's concession that was on there. Now, this house was five years old, $18,810 plus a 7% service fee, which is what most people are thinking. They're thinking that, hey, and they had a two-week closing on here. Well, this client, when we close this client, this client's net, and I was looking in my dot loop to see if I can see their bottom line number, but I remember it was $24,000 higher that they got, and we still close in less than 30 days on this particular property. But we had to put it in front of them. We couldn't just say, oh, you're going to make more money by going with us. And because what they're thinking is that I don't want to do the time that's, you know, sit there for the time on the market and how long is it going to take and all of that. Well, put it in black and white. So part of this when you're dealing with iBuyers is that you have to have the education behind it. So you need to go out and you need to understand what is Open Door offer? What is Zillow offering? What do they offer so that you know how to compare? Instead of going in and just downplaying them and, oh, you never want to do that. Well, they might. Like these people here, they thought about this might be an easier process. When all actuality, it ended up not being. And they made 24 more thousand dollars at closing. Right. And, and my point earlier was, so if I could go back, if I'm going to buy that house, as a, if I'm the I buyer, and again, this not that this doesn't work, I'm going to offer those people 280 because you know, I got to close twice. I've got a, I've got marketing costs. I'm not going to go and spend you know three hundred and seventy thousand dollars to make ten thousand dollars. So you know where, and I think this is the th the part that that agents probably need to be scared of and probably need to understand. That offer is really only what three to four percent less than that I got by listing it on the market. It's twenty four thousand dollars. That's real money. But it's only three to four percent is what we're talking about. And that's where we've got to be careful. And I love what Nick said earlier, because this was my approach to it as well, is why don't you let me list your house for 60 days? And if after 60 days that doesn't work out, then we can switch plans. And again, it's going to be person to person. So what you have to do when you're on those appointments is be flexible and be understanding. Here's the thing I love about what Cherie did. Instead of going open door doesn't exist, Zillow doesn't exist, or we're not going to talk about that. Hey, let's just look at these options. And so it's also my understanding, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, that you can, even if you go through Zillow or go through Open Door, you can still make a commission on it. So yes. it's not like if you don't, you know, and here's what, if you don't address it on the front end, maybe Z maybe Cherie's client goes, 
Well, Sheree didn't even tell me about that. I'm going direct to Zillow and cutting her right out. So information and upfrontness and clarity, I think is really one of the most important things to, to piggy, piggyback your point. Well, and let me jump in here for a second, uh, piggybacking on what you just said, Brian, and what Sheree said. You know, who do you want telling the story? Who do you want telling the iBuyer story? Do you want the do you want the seller, you know, telling that story to themselves from their website after you leave? Or do you want to come with that information? And that's that's exactly why we pull, you know, an open door offer before our listing appointment and bring that offer to the appointment with us. So we could show them, hey, this is what open door is going to offer you. And then at that point, we've got the commission built in if they decide they do want to go that route. So that's uh, one of the ways that we use them for leverage. Um, and then, Brian, going back to your point, you know, that is the scary part. And I think that's why agents are nervous about this whole iBuyer situation. And, and Nick brought it up as well. When they first come into a market, I, I've seen them buy homes where there's no way they're making money. You know, there's there's no way whatsoever. In fact, I think they're going to lose five, ten thousand dollars at the end of the day. They just they've got so much money behind them. They don't care. And I I mean, good on those investors. If if I'm investing in a company and the owner of the company is telling me, hey, I don't want to make money for 10 years or I'm OK losing money for 10 years. I mean, that's <laughs> that's some strong belief right there that that company is going to make it someday. But. I mean, we can't run our businesses that way. You know, I, I can't lose money for 10 years. I can't make break even for 10 years. So, I mean, this is why we're adapting to this and going to overcome it. Yeah, you're right about that. It cracks me up that these companies out there can operate at a deficit for literally a decade before they have to be profitable. Because again, for you and I, that's not that's not an option. That's just no. that ain't happening. So, but Nick, you had that conversation. Is it Leo? Is that his name? I can't remember the guy's name. What's his name? You're, you're muted, by the way. You got to unmute. I muted you out because there was uh, some background noise on your side. You're all on Eric Wu. That was Eric Wu. Eric Wu. That's right. Yeah. And, and literally, he's like, you know, I can operate at a deficit. I don't have to make money for a decade. And really, the goal there is he wants to change the way real estate is transacted, right? Yep. Yep. So talk to us about that. What is, what is that goal? It, what does that look like? It, well, it's a concept. It's, uh, you know, how, I mean, the fact is us agents and NARS allowed Zillow to have consumer top of mind awareness when they want to get a value on their home. Um, that's why I, I personally believe that Zillow will win the iBuyer war over Open Door because they don't have to spend the money on marketing like Open Door does. Mm -hmm. Everybody goes and gets this estimate. Guess what? Now with this estimate, I also get an instant offer. So Zillow, in my opinion, will win that war. Uh, you can create systems and and technology to show houses, but to get consumer top of mind awareness, it's there. And where is it? Zillow. And I don't know if that's going to change. Um, so the, the reality is it was interesting, Michael, because when I was in Inman and you were in Inman, I was mm -hmm. talking to a guy that is connected with SoftBank, which is basically yeah. Open Door's major, major uh, yeah. backer. And, and he, he basically filled me in on the, the philosophy of SoftBank is they're going to lose on 99% of their deals and they're going to hit it big on one. So obviously they're banking on open door being that one. So they're willing to lose millions and millions, which they are on because the fact is I've seen open door when they first came into my market um, and they overpaid on one property that we sold them for a client by about $40,000. The property was worth on the open market 385. And before we took it live, cause that's what we suggested to the, uh, the person that was selling it, the list price of 385, open door offered $420,000 for it. Now that property is still on the market about five months later. And I think they're still listed at like 419. That's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, and so the reality is, I guess we've got to ask ourselves, how much impact is this going to have on each of us and our businesses? How big a deal is this going to be for the average real estate agent out there? Is it going to, is it going to flatline their business? Is it going to put them out of business? Is it going to be something that if you embrace it and you understand how to work with it and you, and you go get that open door offer, or you go get that, you know, what that, that, that offer from whatever I buyer you're, you're out there comparing against, is, is that the solution? 
I, I, I want to put this in perspective for the average agent out there. And while you guys are formulating your answers for that, what I'd like to ask everybody who's watching right now to do, I'd like to you to type in your screen. Have you seen iBuyers in your market yet? Are you guys seeing this? And if so, how competitive are they in your market? Just type that in your screen. I'm just, I'm curious as to how many of you are encountering them. But go ahead, guys. What do you think about that for the average agent? I, I think the average agent gets stuck, and I know I did initially as well, thinking what's most important to the client is always money. And what the iBuyer has really shown us, and I think that's why it's blown so many of these agents' minds, is money is not always the most important factor. But as the agent, we get stuck on it. We get stuck thinking they want to make the most money. That's all they care about is price and commission. And really what iBuyer has opened all of our eyes to is we need to listen and we need to find out what is truly important to this client going into that appointment before you get to that appointment. I mean, uh, my questions, my pre-listing questions have changed dramatically with iBuyer coming out because I, I, I admit it. In the past, I thought price and commission were always going to be the, the number one factor in their decision. And it's, it's not. So for me, that's, that's what we've changed the most. Michael, um, the reason I started mine was because I wanted the sellers to raise their hands to me. I never thought they would take my offers. In fact, there was several times where I would specifically, my agent would go out there, they would say, Nick, they want to do the instant offer. And I would go out there and say, why are you doing this? You're leaving $20,000 on the table. And they're like, yeah, I just want to be done with it. So we got to understand that. The second thing that I think as agents have to do is because I will tell you the iBuyers, once you're in their system, they are staying in contact with you weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly with a new market update, a new offer. So as agents, if we don't stay in front of our clients, our clients will no longer be our clients because they, have it, they are really, really good at that aspect of follow-up. And we know, all know the gold is in the follow-up. And agents traditionally are not very good at that. That's putting it nicely. The agents suck <laughs> at follow-up. I mean, as a rule, right? I mean, the reality is most agents just freaking suck at it. Let's call it what it is. Uh, and by the way, it's really interesting to me. I'm looking in the, in the comments here, and a lot of people have commented that, no, they don't have iBuyers in their market yet. Uh, and before we go down that question, uh, I want to ask uh, or I want to put a shout out there to our sponsor, uh, WiseHire. Uh, and by the way, for those of you that aren't familiar with WiseHire, go check out clubwealth.com forward slash WiseHire. That's Wise with a Z. Clubwealth.com forward slash WiseHire. Those guys uh, make this show possible. I'm actually putting it in the uh, in the chat right now. WiseHire. There we go. Uh, and what they do for us is they do a lot of recruiting for us, whether it's for administrative positions or sales positions. Uh, they do a great job of helping us uh, of helping us find and recruit great talent. Uh, so very happy with WiseHire. That being said, let's come back to uh, you know are I buyers in every market out there right now? And the and the short answer is there's probably an I buyer in your market, whether you realize it or not. Somebody's out in your market buying these things, um, but the reality is it may or may not be one of the big ones. So the question I have for you panelists. Are the big ones going to be in every market? Are they going to stick with just the big markets? What does this look like two, four, five, ten years from now? Well, so, so I, you can't know what's going to happen two, five, ten years from now, right? And, and what's your guess? Like, give us your best crystal guess. ball. Come on, Curtis, you've got a crystal ball for the day. What's your best guess? Rub the, rub the genie. My crystal ball is I, I should be sitting back drinking a Mai Tai on somebody's beach. Seriously, if I know this, I'm going to hang up this call and, and appreciate all the money I just made. Anyway, <laughs> um, I, I feel like they're going to continue. And that, that's my opinion. They will continue to move forward. I think they're going to grow and change. But, you know, Nick mentioned this earlier. Their, their, their plan was to lose money for 10 years. Can you... Can you fathom that? That means that they are not interested in making money short term. They're interested in market share. It's kind of like Zillow. I don't know. I haven't seen the actual statistics, but I've heard different versions of it that Zillow doesn't make any money. They are a company that's literally worth billions that doesn't make any money, which again, there's somebody much smarter than me that understands why and how that all works. But, you know, our project, you know, will they be in every market? They're going to be in the markets that make the most sense. I can tell you there's not a single iBuyer in the market 
where my team is. There's not a single one there. Whereas you go to Denver, you go to Seattle, you go to, you know, Southern California and they're everywhere. So, you know, if I, if I was in a market like I am without one, I'm going to start learning about it because to Michael's point, they probably will eventually show up. So I've got a huge advantage over say David who woke up the, you know, six months ago and went, Oh crap, there's iBuyers in my market. Um, but you know, who's an iBuyer in my market right now? Me. I mean, I've got that set up and just kind of like Nick and yeah. you know, full disclosure is I stole my program from Nick, you know, I'm so, uh, <laughs> you know, we masterminded <laughs> and I stole it from him. And it's funny, my phone is literally ringing as we speak from one of my iBuyers that I ended up listing their house. And the reason they came to me, they said, you're the only person who offered to buy my house in the market because I run an ad on my website and it says, I'll buy your house basically. Um, you know, and we we go through all the all the bad parts about listing and the good parts about just selling it to us. You know, but again, when I have that conversation with that person, their house is worth, you know, $300,000 and I tell them I'll give them 200, it doesn't. So that's another thing I think maybe somebody should address when you're in, when you're being the i buyer, the lower the price is, you get you get price compression that happens because closing costs are somewhat static and so you end up you know, if you can, I buy a $500,000 house, your margins can be a lot better than if you're, I buying a $150,000 house. So, you know, there's something to consider as you're moving forward. If you're going to start buying some of these, you know, all those costs, but you know, when you make a hundred thousand dollars, you can absorb a lot of costs. When you make $20,000, you can't absorb very many costs. So I'll shut up now. Someone else's turn. Michael, I'll, I'll answer the crystal ball question. So I do believe they'll be in just about every market. I mean, uh, so Zillow is a, a Googled term more than realtor or real estate agent. Um, I, I had the benefit of being interviewed by Zillow to be part of the uh, iBuyer program. There was about uh, six or seven teams out in my area in Southern California that were interviewed. I was not picked, which rubbed me wrong for a little while. And I think that's really the true reason why I got into the iBuying side, but um, looking back at it now and talking to the team leaders who are doing the instant offer campaigns, uh, I almost kind of view it as a blessing. Um, that you didn't get picked. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Uh, the, the teams that ended up, the main team in my area that ended up getting picked had to hire a admin staff to handle running over 100 CMAs per day. Wow. Every single day, they are running 100 plus CMAs. Crystal ball wise, I think that's a huge reason why they're going to be in every single market because when someone thinks about selling their home, they, they don't, they go to Zillow. I mean, and, and like Nick said, we let it happen. We, so how many of those, I'm curious, uh, you know, how, of those agents that are doing 100 CMAs a day? And when we were doing a lot of REO, I had four people on my team that that's all they did all day long was BQ, right? So that was, that was part of the process, but the volume was there to justify it. So it was fine. So what I'm curious about is, I, on the one hand, I'm with you, man. That's scary that they got to do 100 of those CMAs a day. The question, though, is what's the volume on the back end of that? So the volumes, the volume's not there yet, just because it's new, you know, will the volume be there in one, two, three years? Yeah, probably. But yeah. like doing anything else when you're first starting out, no, the volume's not there. And I mean, they're getting paid 1%, you know, by Zillow to sell these things. If, if it's actually what the client ends up wanting to do, if the client doesn't want to take that offer, it goes to the other teams that Zillow has selected and then they go essentially on a listing appointment and then pay a 35% referral to Zillow if they do um, convert it. So no, it, you know, it's not there yet and it's causing a lot of disruption within their team uh, because they're having to handle so much volume. Mm -hmm. um, I think eventually that's why this won't work out, what they're doing on such a large, huge scale. I mean, we all run big teams in this group. Scaling's not easy. Yeah. And, we're, and when we're talking about scaling, you know, huge markets, I mean, they're taking on the huge markets first. Uh, yeah. Know, what's, what's the client experience going to be? You know, if someone does yeah. an iBuyer this year, are they going to do it again in two years or three years or four years when they go to sell? Or are they just going to go back to a traditional agent again? 
And by the way, Nick, we're going to go to your comment next. And then after we go to Nick's comment, we've got some really interesting comments in the Facebook thread that I'm going to read and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, because I'm, I'm actually really impressed with some of the suggestions and comments that you guys have made. So, Nick, go ahead, and then we're going to come to the Well, I think there's a couple points that we have to look at. Um, so Zillow, they might not be buying a lot, but guess what they're getting? They're getting a ton of seller leads. <laughs> and guess yeah. what? Those seller leads turn into either – uh, marketing dollars from agents like myself or the 35% referral fee from agents like myself. And the, the other thing that we're forgetting is the auxiliary businesses, the mortgage, the property management, the home warranty, the title company that, I mean, home lights starting their own title company, they're starting their own mortgage. So if they're getting little pieces of all the pie, uh, then their margins don't have to be that good. So, mm -hmm. uh, I personally, I believe it's going to work. It's going it, to, it, they are going to take massive market share. Mm -hmm. Now, if we're smart and we stay, we keep hustling and we stay grinding, we're going to be all right. Uh, but you got to stay on your game. You got to have your coach. You got to be following up. You got to be having client parties. You got to be on your game. Otherwise, they're going to eat your lunch. Yeah, so I agree. Go ahead, Shree. So, you know what? This reminds me, all this I buy your stuff that's come that's come about. I think that um, it was a little different for me. I didn't really stress over it. I just dove into let me understand how each one of these processes work because I lived through it back in the mortgage days. So I don't know if you guys remember when the lending trees and all of them came around and everyone in lending started freaking out. And guess all what? All the mortgage brokers are going out of business. They're all be going out of business. Like we all went through it back then. And so what it took back then was understanding that system and what they were doing um, and how they were getting their business and all of that. And this was, think about it, that was back when like the whole internet lead and everything first started. Um, and so I think that a lot of agents, I just don't want for agents to operate from that, that status of such a fear, you know, status when it comes down to these iBuyers and more of an understanding. So dig deeper understand how their offer process works. What Nick's saying is 100% correct, especially for some of them. I mean, we get some of them over and it is, you have to use this lender and you have to use this closing attorney and you have to, you know, and we need to keep them here. Why? Because they're collecting on each end. So are they okay with making, and I'm sorry, my Facebook is acting up so I can't see the questions, but are they okay with taking a, a loss when it comes down to the house on the house side yeah okay just as what you said nick because it's all the other businesses that, that that's not what's happening so you know it's funny when we were doing reo i looked at reo because everybody freaked out oh the commissions are so much lower in reo and there's so much more work involved you gotta have all this staff and then they try and screw you on the reimbursements and then you know they're it's just and 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 right it was all this you know here's all the reasons why you shouldn't do reo and I look at what's going on with these iBuyers and guys, it's REO. That's all it is. It's REO all over again. All we're doing is we're dealing with institutional sellers now, right? They're going to come in. They're going to buy these things up. They're going to have to sell them. We're now dealing with institutional sellers, which is great, right? I like institutional sellers because they're unemotional, right? It's a very straightforward transaction. All I got to do is run my business right. That being said, what it forces us to do is get better as agents. It forces us to get more efficient. It forces us to be more creative. It forces us to think harder about our business. And guess what? When the REO boom came around, it weeded out a bunch of crappy agents. Thank you. Thank goodness for getting rid of those crappy agents so that now the ones that were creative, the ones that worked hard, the ones that were willing to run their business efficiently, they not only survive, but they thrive. Best three years of my business were 2007, eight, nine, oh, sorry, eight, nine, and 10. Those were the three best years of my business was the, was the gut of the REO market. And only half my business was REO. What it did was it gave me all kinds of market share. It gave me the ability to hire more people to offer higher levels of service. It gave me the opportunity to open up mortgage. It gave me the opportunity to do all this other stuff that brought in dollars that I wouldn't have had if I didn't have that market share. Oh, and by the way, now I got to have all those relationships with those clients that now if I take really great care of them, I've got a ton of referral sources out there. So it's the very positive. Let me play Brian Curtis for a second. <laughs> okay, tell me how I'm wrong. No, it's not how you're wrong, but it's the other side. So when you, if you want to look at it in row, you know, here's the one thing. My buddy Steve said, you either, when it comes down to iBuyers, you either adapt or you die. 
bottom line to it, you know, and that's like with everything else, right? But when you look at it in reference to REOs, yes, great for you, Michael, it, it brought all of this business and yeah, and all that other stuff, but it also brought down home, home values because it flooded the market. So these, so when we talk about, let's talk about this crystal ball of these properties that are sitting there for the next years. And now they have to discount those properties from what they bought them from in order to sell them out. So when you look at it and you compare it to an REO, you start thinking about that. Like, okay, well, wait a minute. So in REOs, they, they, the banks took these properties back and now they started cutting down the prices and my neighbor or my home is now not worth what it used to be because REO, short sales, all of that boom. Uh, and there's no question that, though, that, that big shifts in the market have an impact on values. There's no question that's an issue. The question isn't whether or not, because we, we can't fix that. Right? We can't change that. We have no impact on that. So we have to control the controllables. So we got to ask ourselves, what do I have control over? What I have control over is whether or not I embrace I buyers. Whether I, what I have control over is how I deal with the changes in the market to determine what I'm going to get to have as opportunities going forward. So I can, to your point, I can either ride the wave or I can get crushed by the wave. But I can, I can tell you this, I'd much rather ride it, take advantage of it. I mean, I'll give you an example. If, if, I, if Zillow came to me and said, Michael, we want you to be our rep in, in your markets that you serve, would I do it? Absolutely, I would do it. You bet I'd do it because it gives me more volume. Do I like it? Do I like where this is all headed? No, I'm not in love with it. But at the end of the day, I can't change the global picture. I can only change what I do for my business. Uh, and so- and Think about the admin that's cranking out a bunch of CMAs. That's no different than when you have, think about prior to the, the sexy name iBuyer coming around. When we had hedge funds, big investors that came in and the only thing we did or you know, a person who's representing them did was send out a bunch of offers back to back to back to back to back all yep. day long, never sight unseen. It's it's the same. That's right. It's the same. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I remember we did a lot of that back in the day. Okay, we got to go to some of the questions in the Facebook feed. There's some good comments in here. Now, Chris Lind in Vegas, and Shri, I think you know Chris, uh, made a great comment. He said, uh, you know, in Vegas, we're seeing squatters kind of target. Uh, open door homes, which makes sense because it's so easy to get in. They just need a phone. So they're literally seeing squatter issues there, which is right, which we had with REO. We saw a lot of that. And with short sales, we saw a lot of squatters and that became a real issue. So it'd be interesting to see where that goes. Any comments on that, guys, before we move to the next one? Are they checking if the squatters have real estate licenses? <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, that did happen. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> Remember the guys, there were guys that literally were squatting on houses and what they would do is then they would rent them out. So they would, and dude, it was crazy. They didn't even have ownership to the house and they would rent it out and they would screw people out of the deposit. It was crazy. It got really sad for a while there. Uh, Anthony mentions, I buyer sales will slowly erode home values and communities unless appraisal criteria per Dodd-Frank changes significantly. Uh, that's, that's, that may be possible. You never know. Um, I, I, and I, I'm going to, because Cherie played me, I'll play the version 2.0 of me. Um, I think <laughs> the biggest difference that we'll see with iBuyers versus REO is that the mentality, and, and I think, and Michael, you can talk to this and and probably Nick, and I don't know if you did REO back in like 10, 11, 12, Shree, but one of the things that I saw in REO as it came to an end, and I know it's not over, but as the huge REO thing came to an end is that they got good at it. And that was something that was very interesting to me. So in 07, when I first started seeing REO in my market, I'd run ads, buy houses for pennies on the dollar, those type of things. We got tons of calls and it worked. But what's interesting is if you looked, say, 2011, 2012, 2013, those houses, they were REO, but they all sold at market value. And sometimes they sold above market value because what happened, and I used to tell buyers this, is that the asset managers became really good at their job. And I think that those same asset managers are probably working for, for the iBuyer companies. So, you know, some of the things that's going to happen is they're going to know and understand those tricks. And, you know, I always laughed at people, oh, I'm going to buy an REO, I'm going to, I'm going to steal it. But honestly, near the end, if you bought an REO, you probably got screwed. So it's just an interesting thing, but everyone can say, I bought a foreclosure, therefore I'm a genius. So that's yeah. going to be 
interesting thing to watch is how well they manage the portfolios. And the other factor, since we're, we're using our crystal balls, is what happens if a whole bunch of iBuyers come and then the economy tanks? So my guess is they'll hold these here, or get rid of them and dump them. And then that's when the infusion of money comes in because, hey, I can buy this stuff for 70 cents on the dollar now. And I can hold it for five, six years. And I've got, you know, I was looking up as on this thing. I think um, Open Door has raised 1.3 billion in capital. Well, if the market were to crash tomorrow, 1.3 billion in capital is going to buy a couple houses. So, just an interesting thing, and that's why I was kind of unwilling to answer what's going to happen in the next five years because it really depends on what the market is. It's for a big part of that. And each level, I mean, it still goes back to each level. You just make the, you 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 adapt to it. What's this next level? You adapt to it. The agents who that, you know, we see it a lot and we, you know, with us being in different groups and all of that and masterminding with people, we hear that some agents, they're stuck in the complaint mode, you know, of them, of this iBuyer being here. And the ones who are not, such as well, all of us that are on here now, we are understanding iBuyers are here. How do we adapt to this? And boom, let's get in front of it and let's go make some money. So that when the next wave comes, it's a new wave. This is what's here. Boom, let's get in front of it. Let's go make some money. Sheree, to your point, you know, Oscar mentions, he says, well, I think we just need to stop worrying about something that could or may not even happen and just worry about what we can, uh, just worry about what we can control and do what we need to do with with it and not worry about what the other guys think on uh, on on doing and just do that. Well, here's the, here's the bottom line, Oscar. I think we're kind of saying the same thing. I, you know, to Sheree's point, you have no control over this. You have no control over what happens in the marketplace. But the people that survive, the people that thrive in real estate today, are the, and and that have for decades. I'm looking at the people on this call, and I'm thinking, particularly like Nick, you and I have been doing. Are we we back in the REO days? You and I were doing, you know, tons of business. Why are we still here today, right? When a lot of REO agents went out of business, why are why did we make it through that REO time uh, when agents went out of business during that time? Well, the reason is because we learned to adapt and that's what you have to do. You cannot get so stuck in your business model that you think, oh, it's business as usual. Look, I'm not trying to pick on the other coaching companies out there, but there are still companies teaching stuff from 20 years ago that to some degree still works. I'm not saying it doesn't work, but what I'm saying is if you only do that and you fail to adapt to the market and you fail to understand what's happening in the market, you're going to get left behind and you're going to be working 10 times as hard as you need to for less and less and less money. And that downward pressure on commission is going to have a massive impact on you and your business. So how do you avoid that? Learn to adapt. Listen to people like the people on this call. Become, you know, coach with Club Wealth. Be in our mastermind. Show up to our events. Network and mastermind with the, the smartest agents in the country, smartest agents on the planet who are already adapting and who are already way ahead of what's going on so that you can learn from what they've tried that didn't work and from what they are having success with. Thoughts? Everybody's like, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, yes. you stepped up on the sofa. Yep, that's you it. Went Change. But, but I mean, it's, it's frustrating to me to see people not succeed when I when I truly believe that and I'm tired of people saying real estate agents are going out of business. Oh, and, the, and I had a friend of mine, someone I respect, good man, but, you know, he says to me yesterday, he's like, well, well, Michael, the, the real estate industry is changing and 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 you better start looking at other things because because the real estate agents are going to be a thing of the past. And there's there's all this disruption and it's going to change and they're not going to be around anymore. Dude, come on. First of all, there's still taxi drivers out there despite Uber. There's still travel agents out there despite Travelocity. There's still mortgage brokers out there, but despite uh, LendingTree and all these other companies, here's the difference. It's the crappy ones that are going to have to find another job. It's the crappy ones that are going to have to learn to say, would you like fries with that? The rest of us that aren't crappy, the rest of us that are going to work our tails off and network and mastermind and coach with the right people, guess what? We're going to have greater success than ever before. There are travel agents out there making way more money now than they would have made a decade ago. Why? Because they adapted and they figured out what their core clientele and their core competencies are, and they focused on that. So that said, so, God bless so, to, so to wrap it up, don't be crappy. That's basically so our right. message. That's our message yeah. today. Let's, not, <laughs> let's be less crappy. <laughs> the quote of the day, let's be less crappy. Don't be basic. We got to get shirts. Club Wealth, be less crappy. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's I see. Think, I think that deserves one of the, um, what, the what are they? At, at, yeah, the banners. Yeah. 
I, I think it's time for me to have my own banner. So I, I think that's it. So that's yours. So the new day, so Tara, if you're watching, crappy. the new David Stites banner is going to be Club Well, be less crappy, David Stites. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. All right. Wendy makes a good point. She says, our buyers don't make their money on the sales price. They make their money on the service fee. You're right about that. There's the, you know, and it's, 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 it's framing, right? It's how are they framing what, you know, because what the audience sees or what the, what the consumer sees is, oh, they're making me an offer, you know, close to full price. They don't see all these backend fees and the junk fees and all that. Um, Here's the facts. They don't make money. The facts are they don't make the service fee right now. Right. With any of it. They don't make money. That's yes. awesome. <laughs> I, I love it. Um, okay, so let's see what else we've got here. Uh, okay, so we've got actually house market is expected to go higher as the economy of the country slows down in the next 18 months. So that's interesting. I mean, I'd love to know where Anna, where, where, uh, where you heard that. I'd, I'd be very curious as to, you know, who's suggesting that the market's going to continue to grow even though the economy is expected to slow. Um, that's, that's interesting commentary. Okay. So guys, we've got six minutes left. So here's what I want to do. Rapid fire. We're going to go to each one of you. I just want to hear your final comments. And by the way, those of you that have been watching, thank you very, very much for being on. Uh, and don't forget if you have not already done so get signed up for the business strategy mastermind conference, uh, business strategy mastermind conference this year is in Anaheim, California. Uh, everybody you see on the call here today will be there. And, uh, let me tell you, it is awesome it is uh it's it, it nowhere else on the planet can you get that many of the top producers in the in the country all in one spot at all at, at, at one time and regardless of your production level you get to rub shoulders with these guys and you're not in a room with four thousand agents you're in a room with 300 agents and you're rubbing shoulders with them and you get to know them and you get to ask some direct questions and mastermind with them and it's magical uh and i'm telling you if you, if you do nothing else, if there's only one event you attend all year long, make sure you're a business strategy mastermind conference, go to clubwealth.com forward slash BSM. And you better get your tickets soon because a couple of things happen. One, ticket prices go up as we get closer to the event. We're already inside the 90 day mark. Two, uh, the tickets sell out every year. And so get your ticket while you can because they will sell out. So uh, let's start with, uh, we'll go from Brian Curtis to Sheree Benjamin to David Stites to Nick Shivers. Everybody give us your final thoughts, Brian. My final thoughts is everything changes all the time. And, you know, I love what Nick has done. And again, I loved it so much. I copied it, but uh, what we got to do is just, you know, I always, I saw Tony Robbins say this one time that you've got to dance with it instead of fight against it. And as agents, we have this tendency to go, how does this hurt me? This sucks. I don't want to be involved. We need to crush it. And you know what? I don't know about you guys, but I can't crush a company that has $1.3 billion in backing. So what I've got to figure out how to do is leverage what they're doing to help me out. And there's so many ways to do it, you know, from creating your own program to using it as a guaranteed sales program to covering it up front. Number one thing I would say that my takeaway is don't be afraid of it. Face it head on and understand that the consumer is relatively ignorant of what's going on. So educate them. If you educate them, they're gonna be the person that, that you want, they wanna work with you because you're the person who brought them value. You didn't come in there and bash on it. You just educated them, gave them the ability to make a choice. And you know, if you're right, you'll be the person who gets picked. Yeah, Love number it. one is never go into an appointment and start bashing it. Don't ever do that. So if they are talking about it, that means that they've done some sort of research on it. So the best thing for you to do is go in there for you to educate yourself first, understand that process, go in head on. And this is one of the most important times for agents to start listening. So sometimes it's not that I don't want to pay commission. Sometimes it's the time frame, you know, so looking at it and understanding the iBuyers, understanding how you can incorporate that in your business, put that on your, your menu options when you're going into a listing appointment that we're covering all of this so that every time you remember to go on it so that you're being more proactive, I'm sorry, versus being reactive to it. So the biggest thing is for you to educate yourself. Don't be afraid of it. Don't live in the fear zone. Adapt to what's going on in our market right now. Like you do every single year, we're adapting to something else, market prices, all of that every year. That's what's here right now. Adapt to it and thrive. Yeah, make sure, make sure you're the one telling the story. Um, you always want to be the, the one telling your own story and, and other stories if possible. If you have iBuyers in your market, use it as leverage. If you have a listing that's not selling, 
I, we've sold several of our listings to Open Door and to Zillow because they weren't sitting and they got a terrific offer. So use it as leverage to get the listing. Use it as leverage to sell some of your listings. Um, but I, I, I love Brian. I love what you said there. Dance, dance with them instead of fighting them. I mean that. Not no single one of us can take that company down. So let's let's dance instead of fight. I love it. Nick, just breathe. Just breathe. <laughs> just keep swimming. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. Uh, change change is inevitable. And look at the opportunities. There's always doors opening. But if your head is down because you're like, oh my gosh, ah, you'll never see the opportunities that are in front of you. So just breathe, accept change, and look at opportunities and walk through the door. Pura vida. Pura vida. I love it. You know, and one of my favorite quotes is uh, that where there's chain, or where, excuse me, where there's chaos, there's opportunity. And right now in the marketplace, there's starting to become a lot of chaos. That's great news, right? Because for those that are studying it and that are understanding it and that are mastering and learning about it, guess what? You guys are going to have the opportunity to capitalize on things that others won't because they're going to be so busy feeling bad about what's going on. And, you know, it's like back in the day of the water cooler, you know, where everybody's standing there saying, well, gosh, buyers are liars and sellers are worse. No, they're not. It's you, dude. If you think it's everybody around you, it's probably freaking you. Get over it. Understand that there's a ton of freaking opportunity out right now. You got to go get it. Figure out what your mechanism is going to be. And to exactly the point that Brian Shree and, and David all made, dude, be positive. The worst thing you can do is come out and be negative about this stuff, you guys. Look, it's a good thing. They're challenging us to be better. Let's rise to the occasion. Let's rise to the challenge and actually be better. I love what they're doing to our industry because it's going to create a better agent long-term. So that being said, guys, great discussion. Cannot thank you all enough for being on. Really appreciate you. Don't forget to get signed up for Business Strategy Mastermind Conference. If you guys found value in this video, share it. Please tag somebody you know in it. Share the video. Let them see it. And we will see you at Business Strategy Mastermind Conference. And I don't know what is going on with Nick, but it is freaking me out. Whoa. He needs to be, be less crappy with his video. That's <laughs> Oh, my gosh. See you guys. I, I just came out of the abyss. See ya. All right, guys. Have Bye. an awesome day. Take care, everybody.